Good morning. It's good to be in the presence of the Lord as we celebrate his coming to the earth. As the prophet Isaiah had said long ago, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This time we'll have the Greer family opening us with um, sharing with us and leading us in our scripture reading this morning. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be caught to a son and will call him Emmanuel. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. And his place of rest will be glorious. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. All this also comes from the Lord Almighty, wonderful in counsel and magnificent in wisdom. Let's all stand together as we worship our great King and sing angels we have heard on high. Which is fine. 
Merry Christmas. Please join me in this morning's prayer of confession. Patient and kind God, we lift our hearts in gratitude for your forgiveness and mercy that you continue to bestow upon us. We admit it didn't take long and we got into the hustle and bustle of the holiday season. Our time of listening at your feet grew less and less as the week went on. We expended a lot of energy in getting ready for the gatherings, parties, gift exchanges, and celebrations, but not much time with you. Oh Lord, help us to slow down and receive from you what will last. Help us to support, encourage, and help those who are overwhelmed so that we can sit at your feet together and really hear you in the midst of a world that is in constant motion. Through Jesus Christ our Lord we pray, amen. Our assurance of forgiveness this morning comes from Colossians 1, verses 19 and 20. For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Guidelines for living this morning is also from Colossians 1, verses 9 through 10. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. This time we'll receive our offering and reminded of how the Magi came to Jesus thousands of miles away. They received the understanding of where Jesus was but by not only a star, but what they read on the sticky notes that have been left down through the history of mankind. Daniel in particular, where they lived and in, in, uh, that they received the prophecy of where Jesus and when he was going to come. And so they entered the house and saw the child with his mother, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened up the treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, which is of royalty, gifts of frankincense, which is of honor, and myrrh, which is preparing for his death. At this time, let's pray. Father, we just give you thanks that we have the privilege to give to you. That, Lord, the use of this money will be used to glorify your name throughout this community and around the world. I pray for those who give these gifts, Lord, from their love for you and the desire for people that they love to know you, Christ, as their Savior. Lord, use these gifts. Give the board wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Who's trapped? 
come to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the presence with great joy in our hearts, with great privilege that we can worship you freely. We thank you for this country, for all the blessings that we have, and to be able to celebrate Christmas, your coming to earth with the whole world. We pray, Father, for our government. Give them wisdom to see the one who was born in Bethlehem should help them to lead this country and to follow the values that the early nation's fathers followed, which is from the scriptures they made a constitution and the Declaration of Independence and the Bill of Rights, all framed from scripture. And I pray, Father God, that we will get the mindset in this country, especially among the leadership, to understand that. We pray, Father God, for those who are shut-ins. We think of Lucille and Joyce and Karen. We pray for those that are struggling with health issues. We think of Mindy and Sherry with heart issues. We think of Howard and Betty and the removal of their cancer for healing. We pray for Joyce's back. We pray for our brother Everett and for Samantha and Captain Stevens, all who are battling cancer. We pray also too, Father God, for Brad and for Janet and for Gage in Dallas and for our brother Nick, who's gonna be having surgery. We pray that you'll go before them and be with them and bring healing. For Mr. Mack from our school that has cancer and Floyd on road armor. And for many others, Lord, that are being tried right now and have difficulties in their life with health. We pray also for those that we know that are addicts, addicted to alcohol and drugs. Think of Jordan and David and Eric, Ricky, Mitch, and Russell. All of them battle it in their own way, and yet they need you, Christ, to be the Lord and to take the bottle out of their hearts. And now, Father God, we pray for the message that we have today that you'll speak to each one of our hearts, Lord, and that we can hear what you have to say. And it's through Jesus Christ we pray this. Amen. Back in the summer of 2001, we were going to go on vacation to my home in New Jersey. And I was preempted by my brother who said to me one Saturday before we left, he said, Dad's been having problems. He's not buttoning his buttons right and slurs his words occasionally. I went, and sure enough, it was true. My dad, who had been our superhero, was failing. We weren't sure what it was, and so we went on a Friday before I left to come back to Kansas here and asked the doctor if we can have something done. And the doctor had mentioned that my dad was old now. <laughs> that didn't go over well with my brother. In fact, he was about ready to go over the desk, went to rip the doctor's eyes out. but. I held him back, and we say we would be glad to pay for the MRI, but Dad is not right. He said, no, 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 what you're saying, and we've done his blood take, and there's nothing in his blood. We'll do it Monday. Well, Monday, Sandy and the kids and I were going to fly back to Kansas here, and so Al was going to take him. But on Sunday, we were all in church except for Dad, and Dad didn't show up. I called dad on my cell phone and he said, yeah, I'm running a little behind. And sure enough, 20 minutes later, he showed up at the church. 
A little disheveled, but still looked good. At the end of the service, he was going down the stairs to go to the basement for coffee, and he collapsed. My brother and I picked him up, threw him into our van that I had vented, rented for the holiday for us being there, and took him over to the hospital. About an hour later, the little neurologist came to us, and she said, Mr. Henyon, she looked like Dookie Hauser in women's reform. She said, your father has terminal cancer. He's got a mass on his brain. He'll probably last between three to six months. My brother and I sat there and we were stunned. How bad can that be? We walked in and as we were talking to him, we said, well, we should pray. He says, yeah, this is what it's all about. He knew where he was going. And so we prayed and we took him home. We left that next Monday and my brother Al began to take him every morning, Monday through Friday, for chemo treatment at 7 and then 8 to the doctor's office to get a shot for vitamins so that it would keep the strength up. And... In September the 11th, I came into the office here and I got a phone call. And it was a parishioner that I had back in New Jersey. She said, Dave, how's your brother and father? What? Yeah, how are they? The trade center's been hit. And they say that one of them's already collapsed and one of them's ready to go. And there are a thousand people been trapped in there. And I know your brother and father worked down in that area. I said, I'll call you back. And I called my brother on his cell phone. And he said, yeah, we just heard it. We're just coming back from the doctor's office. That morning, my brother was supposed to be on the 110th floor of the Trade Center delivering for American Express. And today, that day, my brother and father were still alive because of my dad's cancer. Dad survived for another month or two. I guess it was December 17th that he passed away. And my brother's still with us. Here was something so devastating that looked so terrible to us. But in the ultimate end of God's plan, it was better because my brother's still here with us today. And today, that's what we're going to see with God. God sometimes allows and even puts things into our world that may seem to be very ugly. But out of it come the great things that we don't even realize and we don't even see, but it's all ordained by his wisdom. We've been looking at Matthew, and Matthew's been showing us the evidence of Jesus. He gave us the, the, basically the genealogy of Jesus, and then he talked about the supernatural conception of Jesus as a virgin birth. He gave us the evidence of the Magi who had never, but once they studied and they saw in the stars, they knew that this one was going to be born. The Jews even brought out their evidence when they were asked in Jerusalem, which was only six miles away from Bethlehem, that that's where the Messiah would be born. And yet none of them went down there. Not even Herod. 
They let the Magi go. What we see here is God's evidence of his control and his leading us in life. And even though there are times that we ask ourselves, what is going on? God is bringing us to points that maybe we don't want to be at. But there's a purpose behind it all. Now, Jesus, again, is called the flea. Today, our Bible scripture says the reason why he had to flee were two. And when they saw they had departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and asking to take the young child and his mother to flee to Egypt. And stay there until I got word for her. It was to seeking to kill that child, Jesus. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother at night and departed to Egypt. When there, and was there until King Herod died. And that his might be fulfilled what is said by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt I call a son. Now, Jesus here is being taken by his mother and father. He's going to be the first refugee. His mother and father are taking him to Egypt to save his life. God warned Joseph, and Joseph immediately, obediently, went and took his, daughter, his wife and his son and flee to Egypt. And that was to protect him from being killed and being stopped on his mission. God had a purpose in it, even though it wasn't perfect. I mean, if it, you were you, if it were you or if it was me, we would probably be so inconvenienced. But Joseph knew. He trusted God. And he obeyed God and that he knew that God had an extraordinary plan for Jesus. He was told that he would save his people from their sin. He was told that he would be the one. And it is also to fulfill what prophet Isaiah, oh, Hosea said several hundred years ago, that out of Egypt, he would come. Another fulfillment of the prophecies that were spoken of Jesus hundreds of years before he came. And what we see here in this passage today, he warns the Magi to return home another way. He also takes Joseph and tells him to go to Egypt. He tells that Israel, that Herod's, going to die and that they would have to wait until he dies to go back to Israel and that he's not to go back to Bethlehem but to Nazareth another fulfillment of the scriptures and so Joseph does take the plan he follows God's way right through to the letter and we see that in our own lives folks God we need to trust him no matter what his plan is no matter if things happen in our life that we don't even have answers to. Joseph didn't have the answers. Mary didn't have the answers. But they knew they could trust God. And they trusted him without the answers. Because they know, and you should know, that your God has a plan and purpose for your life. And no matter what transpires in your life, God has a purpose in everything that takes place in your life. Everything. And I know that's hard to believe. But this is a God who's put the universe together. This is a God who's way beyond what we could ever imagine or think. And has put it together our universe, universe beyond, black holes, all those things. This God is so great. And we see that, yes, there are tears. 
because things that we hold dearly to and we love, we don't get what we want because God's will is at work. We see the tears here. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all the districts for two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken of Jeremiah the prophet. A voice was heard of Ramah, lamentation, weeping, great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. This was prophesied. You and I live in a world that's very violent. Last year, 645 shootings, mass shootings, not shootings, just mass shootings. This year we're down a little. We're down on 627, but we still got a few more days left. This is the world that we live in. It's a world where we by statistics say, everything is safe. Maybe if you checked it out, but there's a website that you can check out what is the safest places to live in America. You know, Goddard, Kansas was that safe place. And many of you saw and experienced what happened at Goddard when there was a shooting there. Many of you remember Sandy Hook in Newton, Newtown, Connecticut. And all those children were massacred in that safe community. And you see, we don't know when that will happen, but we see it happen every day. How many of us woke up the other day and found out that Prague University, 14 were killed, 25 were injured. It seemed like for a while there every other day whether it be Uvalde or Tennessee, people were picking up guns. And in their anger, shooting innocent people, children, bystanders. And we know that it can happen anywhere. It can happen in Dudah, Kansas, Wichita. And we know it can happen at Goddard, Mays. No one is aloof from it. And then we also know that we shouldn't be surprised. Because the Bible is showing us here something that's innate inside of us that we as Americans don't really want to talk about. And that is our fallen nature. And deep down inside of us, we're sinners. And we need a savior. Because each one of us has within us that nature handed down centuries from Adam and Eve who said, I'm going to do it my way. Frank Sinatra theology. And I want to do what I want to do. And what we find here 
is a madman by the name of Herod who wants to eliminate Jesus. Now, he's very threatened. You know, in the sinful nature, when it's threatened, it will do many things. In my 32 years of chaplaincy here and 10 years of chaplaincy back in New Jersey, there are people who would say to me in confession, I can't believe what I did. How can they not believe it? We all in Sars lives have sinful natures. And sometimes when they're pushed to the brink, we react in many ways. Sometimes I chuckle when people will say to me, well, that'll never happen to me. <laughs> oh, baby. Open your eyes to see who you are. Because no one knows how a person's been raised or what they've been through. A woman who had been married for 40 some years to a man, wonderful marriage, wonderful life, he dies. She takes up with another man. And in the abuse, she winds up shooting him to death. Never imagine it, quiet little lady. But she was pushed to the brink. And who can understand that? Well, the Bible does. It tells us that we all. See, Herod was extremely wicked, extremely threatened. And when he heard that this baby who was prophesied about, you see, he got his ranking and became the king there because he did it by might. And this was the real deal coming down the road in a baby form. And he was threatened. Well, he was even threatened so much before this that he killed his brother-in-law and his mother-in-law and his wife. That's how threatened he was. And you see, each one of us has to look inside of ourselves and look at the things that we do. None of us is perfect. We all fall short. And the man who tried to kill Christmas tried to kill Jesus. Caused a great amount of weeping. Now the sinfulness of the heart is great. And it needs to be fixed. And that's why this baby is so important to come to our world. Because Jesus came to change the human heart. And make it right for God and for heaven. And without it, we strive and we try to be as good as we can. But guess what? We fail. We see Herod. Wicked as all get out. I was reading an article about Chuck Colson, who talked about the Nazi Adolf Eichmann, who was in charge of all the extermination of the Jews in concentration camps. And when he was put on trial, there was a guy by the name of Yiel Gimnor, a Jewish fellow. 
who testified in 1961 as a witness against him. And at the end of the trial, the Muir collapsed in the courtroom. And when he was interviewed by Mike Wallace of 60 Minutes, he said, why did you collapse? Because it was finally over? He said, no. When I saw Eichmann on the stand, and I saw all the tragedy that he had done earlier on when I was in the concentration camp and his power and brashness as a Nazi leader, and here he was stripped of everything, guilty as charged, and I saw him just as an ordinary man like me. And I saw that I could even be as possible to do it like he did. If I was raised in his setting and I was groomed like he was, I could do that too. He saw the sin. There's a lot of people who don't see that. They think they're good people. But then we struggle with why we do certain things that we don't want to do, as Paul says. And the very things we should do, sometimes we don't do them. And Paul says it's because of that very thing, our sinful nature. That's from rebellion against God. We know the beautiful hymn, I Heard the Bells of Christmas Day. That was written by a fellow by the name of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. And you remember some of the words, but it was written during the Civil War. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, the old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to man. He wrote that at the end of the war after 500,000 Americans were killed, both on the Confederate side and also on the Union side. And as he was Finishing another verse later on in 1862, his wife burned up and died in a fire in their house. And then right after that, his eldest son Charles came back from the war wounded and crippled. And he wrote, there is no peace on earth for hate is strong and mock the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And he was affected deeply by those wounds. And friends, this is the tragedy today in our world. We have so much affluence. In fact, we suffer from affluenza. We have many things. And the tragedy of it all is we don't have God. You could have everything that God would ever want you to have, physically, materially, but if you don't have him, you're broke. Marriages break apart. Why? Because of that sinful nature. Why do children rebel? Because of that sinful nature. Why is there disorder in our society? 
because of the sinful nature. And yet we need to understand that God's got the bigger plan. And if we walk in it, we follow his way and receive his son who came to give us the freedom, we'll have that peace on earth and be able to give the goodwill to men. God declared war at Bethlehem. He said no more to Satan. And that he was going to free us from our sin. He's going to give us eternal life and give us the peace that passes all understanding. If we give our lives to him. And that the wrong will fail. It will not last. When Jesus comes and returns, he will vanquish all the evil. And justice will be served. And as Longfellow said, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. And the wrong shall fail, and the right will prevail, and peace on earth and goodwill for men. And that night, God's front line soldier was that baby in a manger. And in that cradle, we have the power of God coming forth. And what he calls us to do, why he came to this earth, and why God protected him from getting killed because he had to wait for 33 years until he fulfilled all that he needed to do for us. Fully human, fully divine. He lived a perfect life, never sinned. And that's why he was the satisfaction for Almighty God for our sin. Because he lived a perfect life. And he had the power to conquer that old enemy we call death. That we all have to face. And make us victorious. And that's the reason why we rejoice today. When Herod was dead, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared in the dream to Joseph, saying, Arise and take your young child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. And those who sought the young child's life are dead. And then he rose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. And when they heard Archelaus was reigning over Judea, instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a God in a dream, he turned aside and went to the region of Galilee. And he came and dealt in a city called Nazareth. And it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets. And he shall be called Nazarene. And Jesus was born to free us. To free us from the shackles of sin in our own personal life and to free us so that we could live on forever. And that this virgin birth is so critical because he was the one that could bring only the only one that can bring satisfaction to God. If you and I try to satisfy God and his perfection, we will never measure up. But because Jesus Christ measured up, fulfilled it completely, that you and I can they say, if we truly believe in him, we have nothing to fear. And that we can stand before God and we will hear those words, welcome my child. Welcome. 
And that because he went 33 years later to the cross. Those babies in Bethlehem were the first martyrs for Christianity. And what a tragedy. But what a reminder of the fallenness of mankind. And that slaughter. And here we see the sinfulness of man. But the reason why Christ was by to deliver us from ourselves. It gives us power to trust God's providence in all that takes place in our lives. And to continue battle good against evil. And hurt is a symbol of the kind of world without Jesus. His brutality. And Jesus comes to us today. And he wants to make us whole. He wants to make our marriages whole. He wants to make our children whole. He wants to make us whole. And you'll be attacked when you believe. But he wants you to be his representative at work. At your home. And in your neighbor's. And that we're willing to accept his leadership no matter what. As Joseph and Mary followed God and were delivered, so we need to hear his voice and listen to it and follow it. And today God says, you can. I gave this child to earth so that you can. There was a group of lawyers and a pastor who had gone to Alaska to settle a suit. And they were leaving and everything had been settled. And one of the lawyers said, well, I fly and I flew my own airplane. Would you like to fly with me and save money on your ticket and use it at another time. Well, the pastor was kind of hesitant. But they went down and looked at the plane. It was shiny and bright and it looked like it was really, and he had flown it up here. Why not fly it back and save money? So sure enough, they got in the plane. <laughs> and when they took up, they were climbing up and everything was smooth. And then they hit a bunch of clouds. And the pilot said, sometimes I pass out when I get into the clouds. Good to tell them now. And sure enough, three minutes later, the pilot passes out. He, he's smacking the guy and shaking him. Nothing's happening. And he doesn't know anything about anything. He's just a pastor. <laughs> and he hands the radio to the other lawyer. I don't know if that was a good idea. <laughs> but he didn't have any radio etiquette, but he was just, we need help, we need help. And there was a freighter, a big plane heading from Anchorage. The plane was heading to Tokyo. But he heard their cries and he began to circle the plane. 
He said, I want you to lose contact, and i got to hook you up with Anchorage. And he called Anchorage, and they got on the radio to him. And they got a pilot up in the tower. The pilot got on. He said, my job is to get you home safe. And they explained they didn't have any experience of flying. And the pilot said, you've got to listen exactly to what I say. Do not deviate. And if you see clouds and lightning, which they were in this storm, don't pay attention. Just listen to what I say. Listen to my voice and do what I tell you. And the lawyer says, we're in trouble. <laughs> he said, yeah. But we knew that without that pilot's voice, we had nothing. And with the storms around, he says, don't listen to it. Don't listen to other voices. Just listen to my voice. And he said, in four minutes, if you keep going the way you are, you're going to go into the side of a mountain. So make your turn. And he told them how to do that. And then they were gone their way back to Anchorage. And he says, when you come out of the clouds, when you're near the airport, and he said, I can see you, but you can't see me, but I know where you are. We've got you on radar. And when you come out of the clouds, you're going to see a cross at the front of the runway. And listen to what I have to say so we can land you safely. The pastor's thinking, boy, my sheep hear my voice. Listen to me. And as he was given the instructions and he listened carefully and did what the pilot said, as they were ascending, all of a sudden they came out of the clouds and there was the cross. And they put that plane on the ground. He said, I hit about seven times, but it finally stopped. And the pilot said to him, thanks for listening. He said, because a lot of people don't, and they crash, and they burn, because they listen to their own voices. And while they went to a motel room, lay down so that the next day they can fly back, at 4 a.m., a knock came to the door. Pastor opened the door and he said, are you Pastor David? He said, yes. He said, you're the voice. You're the voice who led us here. And he said, I'm so glad you listened.
Facebook, Twitter now X, and every little phenomenal little way they compete computed. And there are a lot of voices. There are even friends who call themselves Christians and give us voices that are not Christian. And what happens is we wonder why marriages burn up. We wonder why kids die of overdoses. We wonder why shootings go on. Because we're listening to the wrong voice. And that voice is Jesus Christ. And many are crashing and burning in our society and we're not listening. Some of them are watching the storms that are basically trying to gear their lives about the storm rather than listen to the one who's going to guide them through the storm. And they give up. They want to try something new or somebody new or that it's their problem, not mine. It's all lie. It's a lie from Satan. So that's why Jesus came. He came to this world to give us the voice to redeem us, to give us the power over sin and to live lives abundantly for him, to live lives abundantly in our families, in our marriages, and in our friendships, and that we're different because we have this joy that only comes through Jesus Christ, the only one who gives us this security that whether we live or die, we are his. We have nothing to fear. And so today, as we come and celebrate this wonderful thing of Jesus' coming, remember that he wants to give you the victory. He wants you to be a winner in this life. He wants you to be an overcomer. And not let the world, not let the voices of the world destroy what God has given you. And he wants you to enjoy him and those things forever. Let's pray together. Father, I just give you thanks and praise for the wonderful blessing of you coming to this earth, leaving heaven, and coming for us to die on the cross so that nothing can separate, not even our sin, can separate us from your love. And I thank you, God, for the victory you want to give us in this life by following your will in your way. And Jesus, we come to you now and give you thanks for remembering what you did on Calvary, of our being one with you, and that we can share your Holy Spirit in us today as we go out into life. And it's all this is, Lord, because of your death that right now we're going to celebrate and give thanks for in this communion. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite everyone who believes in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior to participate. Jesus, the night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat. This is my body which has been broken for you.
bread. <laughs> Do this in remembrance of me. Remembrance of the blood and body of Christ that was broken on our behalf. Amen. In like manner, also Jesus took the cup. And when they had supped, they had said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. The blood of Jesus Christ spilled out for us.
In like manner also he took the cup. And when they had supped, he said, This cup is a new covenant of my blood. This often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Father, we're just so blessed that you took the time and taught your disciples this reminder of your love. And we are so grateful for that. And now, Father, as we depart here today, as we light these lights, we're reminded of your Holy Spirit coming and abiding us because we've accepted you, Jesus, as our Lord. And that we're the light that the world sees. They're the Bible that people read. Help us to be that, Lord. And help us to walk with you every day. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time, we're going to take and light our candles, do the lighting of the candle. And if you remember the safety that we work on, is that the person who has the light or the candle, they're the ones who hold it straight. And the person who's lighting their candle, they will go and dip down into the lighted candle. If I can practice it myself. And we're reminded of Jesus' light that's put in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And we light to the world and show them. And Kinsley is going to share with us a beautiful rendition of Silent Night.
Little town of Bethlehem, how still thee see thee lie. 